0: Y'all had me going, man. I didn't know whether it was stopping or we was going. I enjoyed it. But look, keep going. I I like that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Look, we might do it. Let's see what kind of time I've got, you know. All right, boys and girls, I want y'all to stand up. But before you leave, I want to... Hold on a minute. Somebody took my my sheet. Did you get my sheet that was up here? Oh, hold on. I apologize. Sorry. Somebody threw me for a loop here. Yeah, that's what I needed right there. I'm sorry. Look, Miss Linda can't help herself. She's got to clean. She cleans. I, I, I laugh. I tell people when we used to have the poinsettias in here, sometimes I would come in. I know I'm not a nice person always, but I'd kind of turn them a little bit. And Miss Linda, before she could walk through the door, she'd have to get them straightened out. But let me tell you why, what I had here. and I <clears throat> Normally, I don't always have something up there. But we have supported, for as long as I have been the pastor here at Palm Christian Church, and even before that, okay, some of you may not know this, and I want our boys and girls to understand. So when we, when we give money, I know with this pandemic and all that, we haven't been passing the offering plate around, but we keep an offering in the back, and then a lot of people give online. And, and we have a very generous church. A lot of people are obedient, and we, we have, um, God's blessed us, okay? Well, throughout the years, we have had four or five different ministries that we've supported. And you get to see some of those. Sometimes we've had the guy come speak who talked about world mission builders, and we've got pictures of some of the churches that we've done. We do some things with the Salvation Army to help those things. And one of the ministries that we've had supported for over the years was the Sunbelt Christian Youth Ranch. Okay? And the Sunbelt Christian Youth Ranch was started by a guy named Theron. I think his last name was Davis, right? Harris. Theron Harris. All right? He went to Mid South Christian College. Over 30 40 years ago when he got out of bible college he went down to mississippi raised the funds and truth be told it was probably a lot of his own funds to begin with and with the help of many other people and he started a youth ranch where boys and girls would come who were troubled maybe they were about to be sent off to reform school or their parents couldn't handle them or anything like that and they would learn to work and they would learn to do a number of things well Now, fortunately, God has used Theron and his ministry in a powerful way. He's used us as we've given to help them. There's been some different stories of all the children that have been helped over the years. But like everything else in life, life cycles, right? Those of you who've been around a while know, and that ministry is kind of coming to a close. And I just wanted to make you aware of that for a couple of reasons. Between a tornado that hit their facility between the fact that their leadership is kind of aging and then, frankly, some of the red tape nonsense that the government has placed on Christians trying to help other people. All those things together have caused the board to decide that it's time to, to make a shift, and they're going to try to disperse of those funds that they have in an appropriate manner. We're going to, and this is what I wanted you to know, we're going to start, in the interim at least, we're going to take a, half of what we were doing for them every month And we're going to divide that up, and one of them is going to go to Mid-South Christian College where young ministers and pastors could continue on in that vein to help others. And the other half, we're going to send to the Cuba ministry with Pastor Robert, who's a professor at Mid-South that many of you have met. So I wanted to let you know that, but I wanted my boys and girls to hear this. Because in this life, there are many, many boys and girls who are not as fortunate as you are. I know that there are days when you feel like, man, things aren't going your way. Maybe when mom or dad takes your device or your teacher tells you something that you don't like or things aren't going just the way you want them to. There's going to be some days when your parents and those that you love are going to say things maybe that they shouldn't, just like you say things that you shouldn't. Everything's not going to be perfect, but I want to tell you something from, your, from my heart. The fact that you're here that somebody loves you enough to bring you here and care about you, you know what that tells me? Man, you are very, very blessed. There are boys and girls in this world that nobody wants them. They don't have a home. So they got real problems. Now, that's not to minimize our problems or your problems, but I want you to remember that in your little heart, is that, hey, when things don't just go exactly the way that I want them to, man, let me say a prayer for those folks who have it much worse than I do. And let me tell you what happens. This happens to me, too. The reason I want you to do it, it's not because I just want to tell you something. I want it to help you, is whenever things aren't going the way I want, when Brother Jason has things that aren't going just exactly right, you know what he does? He tries to think about those who may have it harder. and, And in doing that, I think about how good I have it. And guess what? I feel better. And things begin to turn around. And So I want to encourage you, boys and girls, to do that. And if you think about it, say a prayer for all the Young people who need a place like Sunbelt Christian Youth Ranch and um, <clears throat> when you do your prayer time with your get. All right, you can head downstairs with, uh, with Brother Todd, who's really stepped in today, and after they get down, I'm going to say a couple other things as well. If you have a Bible, I want you to start turning to the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 8, surprisingly to some of you again. We're going to be here a minute until we get covered. You'll learn very fast. Well, I don't even know if that'll make me talk faster, but it makes me feel good saying it. Hey, I want to just encourage those of you who are here and maybe who who are watching this. All right, I'm so proud of Todd. Todd kind of stepped up. We didn't have anybody in the schedule today who was going to be able to do Children's Church. It's been chaotic trying to figure out how and what we're going to do with what's going on. And we've decided that as a result of, of the fact that numbers seem to be getting better, We're here on Sunday morning anyway. It may alleviate some of what's up up here anyway. We're going to start back with kind of our regular scheduled activities in October for our boys and girls. But look, we need need people to step up and volunteer. I think we had posted on the uh, announcement slide last week to get with Todd or myself if you were interested in serving. And, you know, nobody did that. I'm going to go ahead and just go out on a limb and say it's because you, didn't, you just thought we assumed, we assumed, right? We knew that you wanted to, and you were just waiting on us to get with you. So since that's the assumption I'm going to work from, be looking to hear from me this week, okay? Because I'm coming to talk with you about what your role is going to be in helping us with our boys and girls. Now, that don't mean that you necessarily have to go down it might mean that I will tell you that I feel like, man, this will be a good thing for you to do. But if you just feel like that's not the thing to do, I'm, you're going to have to begin praying with me for who's going to be going down there. Because look, we just can't. You should have, Todd's heart is so big. He's like, look, I didn't have anything for today, but I'm going to just, I don't want the boys and girls not to have something. Look, we got to step our game up and we got to be ready. So as I begin to work through my list of who's going to be who got who God's calling right God's calling you to help and I'm gonna be call, calling you on his behalf starting this week now I'm very excited about the scripture today fantastic fantastic passage that's very unique and so I want you to look at it with me in Acts chapter 8 I'm not gonna ask you to stand this week because instead of reading the whole passage we're just gonna go through it little by little so in Acts chapter 8 verse 26 We pick up the story with Philip. You'll remember if you haven't been here. Philip is one of the original seven deacons chosen, all right? And he leaves from Jerusalem after the scattering out from there. He goes over to Samaria where there's a big revival going on and lots of people in Samaria are getting to know Christ. They're getting baptized, signs and wonders, miraculous things are happening. It's a good deal. Peter and John come up and they even say, hey, it's a great deal. Everything's excited. I mean, you're thinking, good night. The church is about to explode right here. And this is where we see the story start in verse 26. And it says, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go down south to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he starts out and he meets a treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kondike, the queen of Ethiopia. So in the midst of a major revival, tremendous revival happening, signs and wonders, people getting baptized. I mean, it's awesome. Can you imagine? Worship services are great. In the middle of that, the guy who starts it gets a message from an angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord says to him, go south. Now, if, you, if you're a person who takes notes, I want you to underline that phrase, go south. Because there's a couple of things that need to come to resonate in your mind and in my mind for a minute. You see, as I was thinking about this, I did not immediately feel like, man, if things are going good where you are, why would you leave? I mean, if you're, if you're having a fruitful, productive experience where, would you, where you are, why would you leave? Now, I tend to see that many people are always looking to leave and go find something new and I'm usually critical of that I'm like man stick with where you are plow the ground your own kind of deal and I'm sure that that is a very much a principle but in this situation the angel of the Lord says to Philip go south now before we jump into all of the ramifications or what he's telling him something came to my mind that I think's worth sharing you see oftentimes, Whenever we're called to move, all right, we aren't always thinking about it in the terms of going somewhere. We're too busy thinking about what? What we're leaving behind. Notice the angel didn't say, hey, leave what's happening here. No, he said, go there. Because life is a constant movement. You can get lost worrying about what's behind and miss what's ahead. Go to the next role go forward, don't look back, all right? He says, go go forward, go south. Watch where he tells him to go, which is another very interesting thing. He says, go to the desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza. Now, this is very unusual. They're in Samaria, which is north of Jerusalem. They're having a fantastic experience. I don't know how you could describe a better experience than the new church has gone from Jerusalem. They've got all these new people getting baptized. And then the angel comes to him and says, hey, look, I need you to go from here and I need you to go down to the desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza where there's nobody at. Now imagine what the new believers at Samaria thought whenever Philip come told them that. Hey, look, guys, I know it's awesome. Things are happening here. I mean, look, we're having services. People are getting baptized. It's fantastic. But an angel came to me and said I needed to go from here and I needed to go down just along the desert road. It doesn't make sense. Not everyone's going to understand this. The only person who may really understand it is what? The person who heard it from the messenger of God. And sometimes God gives us a message That doesn't make sense to everybody else it may look like it's the wrong place to go according to everyone else it might not look like it's what you need to be doing according to other people and according to conventional wisdom but sometimes God may have a bigger plan and he's saying I need you to go here don't stay there don't just get stuck where you are and what's happening maybe there's something bigger you don't always know. Notice Philip didn't get it, he didn't get all the benefit of that. All he's told is what? Just go. I don't know about you. I don't like directives like that. I mean, I'm just being honest. I want to know why. My son takes after me cuz he's forever asking me why. What are we doing? Why are we doing that? Huh? How come? And look, he gets it honest cuz I don't like people just saying, "Hey, go over there." I heard a story one time about a guy who was talking about the Navy SEALs training, okay? And he said that when they would go into this training, one of the things that they would do is they would take them to the beach and they would tell them to start running. Now, these guys are tip-top physical shape. I mean, they're, they're, they're physically completely able to do it. But what would happen is after a certain amount of time, people some of them would begin to drop out. And when they asked them why, the reason wasn't necessarily that it was that hard. The reason, according to what this story said, was that they didn't know where they were going and they didn't know when they got to stop. It was the mental difficulty of being told to just do this without the end game in mind. I mean, and so I started thinking about it. Man, if somebody just told you to do something hard and there was really no place at what point you knew when you were going to stop or where you were going, I mean, what it is And they're testing, according to this article that I was reading, their ability to just follow orders even in the face of physical pressure, mental pressure, and all this other kind of stuff. And look, sometimes God does that to people. He says, hey, just do this. You want to know why, you want to know how long, you want to know what far, and guess what? You're not getting that answer. Because maybe it's in the process and getting an answer up front would circumvent what he's trying to do in your life. Maybe it's a test of your faith. I don't know. There's lots of different reasons. In this particular situation, we're going to see that God had a specific mission for Philip. And so what does he do? He goes down south to the desert road. And look, I'm in a desert road. There's, there's lots of danger on this desert road, by the way. I don't want to spend too much time here, but a lot of bandits there. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? It's not safety. It's not comfortable. But God says, go. And what does he do? He starts out. And that way I want you to circle that or or underline that because this is really key. He starts out. He gets going. He doesn't get lost in what's happening now. He doesn't try to ride the accolades of what happened before and what's going on. Maybe all the people who said this isn't a good idea. No, he hears the message of God to go and he gets started. Man, you know how many people are stuck because they won't just get Started. I mean look sometimes that first step is the hardest. You know I often have heard evangelists say look that the hardest step when a person's making a public profession of their faith is the first step out of that aisle to come down and ask for someone to pray for them. Maybe the, the, the start you need is to start to call someone and ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to call someone and say I need help. It's just getting started that holds people back oftentimes. Philip did not allow this to happen. The messenger of God says, go south, makes no sense, don't like it, we don't, don't, we don't know all that, but we're just speculating, and he gets started, and along the way, surprise, surprise, what happens? He meets the treasure of Ethiopia. All right, now, now we're beginning to see that the plan's starting to unfold. What didn't make sense now maybe starting to understand a little better. Have you ever experienced that? People talk about hindsight being twenty twenty, where where it didn't make sense in the moment, But then after you got a little bit on down the road, it started making a lot more sense. That's life. And look, if you follow the instructions that God gives you, whether those instructions come from the scriptures, whether they come from other people who are giving you wise counsel, whether a literal angel comes and tells you. When you start because God says start, you go because God says go, you don't have to worry. At some point down the road, it's going to start making a little sense. And here in this particular situation, Philip realizes that, hey, this is a very important person I've run into, an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, for those of you who don't know, a eunuch in the ancient world was a person who had been intentionally castrated so that he would not do a number of things. Number one, so he wouldn't mess around with the royal harem of the king and our important official. That's one part of it, but that's not the only part. The other part was, is he could not carry on his line. So there was no real reason to try to, you know, um, have a son so that he could become king or become part of the monarchy, different things like that. And this is a huge ordeal in the ancient world. So as a result, these people were castrated at birth and they were taken and they were raised up to be very important officials in these governments. Now, that's happening throughout a lot of the stories in the Old Testament and different things like that. And it's very likely that this particular person, we don't know it, may have even had Jewish history and Jewish background because he was coming back to Jerusalem, the Bible tells us, go to the next slide, Brendan, to worship. So either he had heard about God in some way, some form or fashion, or he had Jewish roots and history, maybe from generations past, in one of those, um, remember those exoduses? No, that's not the best word to use it gets you confused. But in one of those captivities from either Nehemiah or Ezra. And so he had some Jewish heritage and history. And so he's going back to worship in Jerusalem, probably at one of these particular feasts chance encounter i don't think so all right philip follows the direction of the angel and he meets this particular <coughs> eunuch now a couple of things we learn about this eunuch as preface before we talk about a few other things number one the eunuch has gone to jerusalem to worship so he either or either has jewish history or he's very interested in jewish history enough to be a part of what's going on now, he's not just interested because if they was just interested, he would maybe go on for a trip, but he actually is going to worship. And we see that what is he doing while he's on his way back from worship, all right? He's reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So now we got a guy who's a eunuch, all right? And he's a very important official in the Ethiopian queen's court. He's the treasurer, all right? So a person of tremendous influence. This particular person has gone to jerusalem for some reason to worship god what he believes about god on his way back he's reading a passage from the prophet isaiah actually it's from 53 and 8 i believe if you go back and look now is it we don't know the story of this but it's very possible that maybe he was at a worship service in the temple or he had gone to a synagogue locally and they read this passage, you can imagine that there was some talk about what had just happened in the last recent days, months, year, over Jesus Christ and different things of that nature. And so he's sitting up there reading this particular passage. And so we're introduced to him. Now we know, why did God send Philip to the south on the desert road? Okay, oh, he meets this guy. Now, notice what happens. The Holy Spirit says to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Now, the first time, God sent an angel. And maybe sometimes God gives you what you need. Maybe he needed an angel to know that he needed to leave where he was because that might not have made a whole lot of sense. But this time, Philip obeyed, and when he gets there, he doesn't need another angel. He just needs the Holy Spirit to say to him. Now, does that literally mean that the Holy Spirit's like, Hey, shh, go over there. Probably not. Look, the Holy Spirit works through those still, small voices that are in your head, through the scriptures that come to your mind, through the impressions that you get. Do you get those, or have you closed that off? You see, some people don't listen when the Holy Spirit's trying to tell them something. The Holy Spirit's like, hey, don't go there. Don't do that. Or look, hey, why don't you go over there and talk to so-and-so? Why don't you, look, teenagers, maybe, maybe sometimes you're walking through the, through the lunchroom and there's a person who other people have made fun of. Maybe they're really struggling. Maybe they're thinking about suicide or they're thinking about all kind of terrible things. Maybe their parents are going through a terrible time and you walk by there and something inside you says, hey, go, go just say hello to them. You know what, that, that's that's God. And you don't want to close your ears off. You want to just do what he says. Maybe you're at work you're dealing with somebody who is acting like a total maniac because of what's going on. And you want to respond wrongly, but something says, hey, don't, don't do that. Are you listening? Or are you too busy talking, too busy letting other things come into your mind, too busy letting anxiety, fear, all this other stuff that you can't hear? No, you got to listen if you want to hear the Holy Spirit. And Spirit, Philip hears the Holy Spirit, and look what the Holy Spirit tells him. He says, hey, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Fair enough. Now, this is a little bit unique, too. You can assure, be assured that the the Ethiopian eunuch, who was very important, it wasn't just like him in a carriage, okay? There was probably this entourage of people making sure that he got back. It wasn't just like, hey, you know, one guy in a, in a carriage hitting a whip. I mean, this is a big ordeal. So Philip actually has to take a little bit of risk to go and walk along with their party. Because if you're, if you're on a trip, okay, and somebody just comes up and starts doing, you know, walking along with you, I mean, you, you're, you're interested in what? Who is this? Why are you here? You know, what's going on? So it's not like, I mean, and if, if this particular person's very important, there's a bunch of armed guards with them. So it's not like there's not some risk involved in following through. And that's true today. There's always risk when you listen to the Holy Spirit. You see, to use that analogy, my teenagers, when you hear the Holy Spirit that says, hey, go over there, and just encourage that person. There's a risk that some of your other friends are going to make fun of you. There's a risk that this person out of anger or frustration is going to lash out at you. And they're not going to receive it in the right way. Listen, everything of significance carries a long risk. If you're trying to live your life without taking risk, you're living down here, man. You want to do something significant, you want to do something that's God-worthy, something that's important, you've got to take a risk. See, too many people have just found a comfort zone in their life, and they are extremely comfortable. I mean, life is fantastic. They've got everything lined up just the way they like it, things are going just the way they want them to, and there's lots of really good things about it except for this. God's got something bigger. He's got something more. He wants your life to be more than just the next entertainment, just the next family outing, just the next routine. He's got a plan. But the problem is you're not willing to take a risk. You're not willing to be uncomfortable because maybe it costs something. Maybe it's going to extend your time frame. Philip wasn't allowing that to stop him. He goes over and he walks beside the carriage. Matter of fact, I love this. Look what it says right here. He didn't just walk over there. What did he do? I mean, he ran over there. Listen, he wasn't going to... He, he knew God was doing something, right? I mean, look, he, he got sent to a place that nobody thought he should go. He probably was wondering, what in the heck am I doing here? As he's walking down the road, but guess what? Then he's like, aha. This is what God's doing. And so the spirit leads him to go over and start walking. He doesn't just like, Dad, come on, I got to go do this. Man, I got to go over here and talk to this guy. I don't, what does this guy do? No, what does he do? He runs over there to take care of business. Let me ask you this. And I asked myself this multiple times this week. Is that the kind of attitude I have? Man, when God's got something for me to do, man, do I run over there to take care of it? You know, if the church needs somebody to help with the kids and teach boys and girls the principles of God? Do I run over there to do my part? I man, when somebody dies and maybe they need something and we need to, to provide a meal for them, do I joyfully gladly say, hey, how can I help provide something for them? When I encounter people at work who are in need, man really what it boils down to is Philip here, Man, I mean he embraced a get to attitude, didn't he? It wasn't nothing like I got to, I get to When you think about what God's telling you, do you look at it like I get to do this? Or do you think like I got to? There's a big difference. Philip had a get to attitude and he runs over there and he hears. Now, notice what the Ethiopian's doing. Before I do that, I want to share points one and two with you. You're just going to have three, four points today. The first two points we get from the story are in this, these first passages. The first one is this. God has a plan and he wants you to be a part of it. Look, I, I'm confident that's universal. Now, this was a specific deal for Philip. There were some extraordinary things that happened there. An angel comes to him. Some unique things take place even further on down the road. But I think that we can learn from this story that God has a plan and he wants you to be a part of it. Because you're, the, you're, you're what makes it happen. You and I are the ones that make it happen. Look, if, if you don't help somebody, who's going to help them? Just keep following that to its end. So the question is, do you and I want to be a part of his plan? I hope that we would. It's an exciting plan. It's got to be better than the mundane, everyday, normal things we do. When we interject his plan into it, it turns it into something extraordinary. The second thing, and this may be the most important point of the day, I don't know, but it's a very important one, if not, is that when God says it, Man, just do it. You remember the old Nike commercial? Just do it. Look, you know how much trouble you could save yourself if you decided today, and I'm just going to end all the debate. In my life, if God says do it, I'm just going to do it. Now, will you be 100%? Nope. All right, you're going to mess up. But when you mess up, have it locked down. God, I'm sorry, I'm going I'm to do better. Look, if you're wavering on whether to obey, whether to follow, whether to go, you're going to be a man torn asunder, the Bible says, or a woman who's, who's, who's tossed back and forth and can't figure out what to do. Just just look, decide today, listen, if God tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. And if it's in the scriptures and I'm supposed to do it, I'm going to follow through and do it. Sometimes it's going to be um, in line with that, but somebody else is going to tell me, maybe a messenger will come from God and tell me, look, when God says it, just do it. That's what Philip did. When God tells you to do something, Are you just doing it? Are you kind of like the kid who's like, well, why? I don't know if I, is that, should I do that? How long should I do it for? Well, have you thought about, look, just do it. That's one, two things we can take from this. Now, there's a couple other things, but we got to get further along in the story before we can jump to those. Look what Philip asks the Ethiopian eunuch who's reading. He says, "Do you understand what you're reading, guys?" Reading some Bible verses, and I think this is a look. I've been studying the Bible a whole, a very long time. I've taken lots of master's level courses on it, and when I sometimes read the Bible, I'm like, I don't understand that. That doesn't completely make sense to me. And so, what I have to do is I got to go, and sometimes I'll get a lexicon and I'll look at some of the uh, original languages. I'll get some other commentary. So it's very natural for someone to read the Bible and not understand it. Don't feel like you're alone. Look, the Bible can be difficult to understand. Now, that doesn't mean that you quit reading it. Duh! It doesn't mean that you stop or that it doesn't have value. I hear people all the time, have you ever been reading your Bible? No, I can't understand it. And I'm like, okay. Do you stop everything that you can't understand? I mean, you don't understand how TV works, do you? But ain't never ever stopped you from hitting a remote? I mean, you, and then you say, well, I, I don't know if I could do all that. Well, what does that have to do with anything? You watch football, don't you? You can't play football. Now, it's not well. It doesn't mean that you're not engaged in it in the way that you can. Well, look, the Bible's the same way. Look, you may not understand it. You might not be able to follow through with it, but that doesn't mean that it's not a good thing for you to be doing. So, and when you do, don't get discouraged if you can't understand. Ask God to help you. Look for some tools, all right? This guy here couldn't understand it, and so Philip asked him, Hey, do you understand what you're reading? Notice the guy's reply. How can I, unless somebody instructs me? Well, now that's an invitation right there. No, I don't understand it. But and I can't understand it until somebody explains it to me. Look, parents, I want you to take this away. Your, your kids can't understand everything they need to unless you instruct them. People that are under your tutelage and under your, um, you know, your, your leadership, you've got to be able to instruct them on what to do. You can't just assume that they know, and I'm very bad about that, but I, I want us to be better at that. So he says, how can I unless someone instructs me? Notice here, the guy's pretty dang teachable, really. You know what I mean? He didn't take it, he didn't take it the wrong way. Philip is a, a, is a guy who just joined the party, okay? Don't even know him. And he says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? So Philip must have asked it in a way that it didn't sound sarcastic, But the guy received it, right? He wasn't too proud. He's like, no, I don't understand. How can I unless somebody tells me what it is? And so he invites Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him. Again, God's got a plan. Plan's working because people are following. Listen, when God's plan's not working, here's what you can rest assured. It's because people are not being obedient to his plan. And this this is the part of reality, a broken world, is God's got all these plans going for redemption, but each of us Are circumventing the plan because we want to put our plan into place. And every time, guess what? It's just a runaround. And we aren't able to be successful until we do that. What's the guy reading? The passage is right there from Isaiah. It says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from him on earth? All right? That's right out of the prophet Isaiah, chapters 8 and 53, I believe. The eunuch. asks Philip tell me was the prophet talking about himself or someone else man this is a very natural question just these are the kind of questions we ask when we read who's it talking to who's it talking about what does it mean what does it say exactly listen this is this is just how life works people people should if they're thinking correctly read something, they ask questions, they want to try to understand, and they need to know, I mean, who who, who was this? Why did he write that? Who was he writing it about? This guy's a very natural question. Notice what Philip does. So beginning with the same scripture, Philip tells them the good news about Jesus. So obviously, later on, all these years later, we know that the prophet Isaiah was writing messianic prophecies that these 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 stories he's saying he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. Who are we talking about? Jesus. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Remember? Hanging on the cross, they caught, I mean, he did not, he didn't even answer all their accusations. He was humiliated and received no justice. Okay? Jesus, who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? So, The prophet, hundreds and hundreds of years before, has written this messianic prophecy. The eunuch from Ethiopia who has Jewish background is reading this. He's heard someone talk about it, but he doesn't understand what's taking place here. He's probably heard lots of mixed messages. Philip takes that scripture and he explains it to him that this is about Jesus and he tells him the good news that man yes this is about somebody and that somebody is Jesus Christ who was crucified on a cross buried 3 days raises from the grave and now we're doing this and I'm sure he tells him other things about all that's going on this is fantastic all right as they rode along telling this guy the story what happens they come to some water The Ethiopian eunuch says, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Now think about that. This guy has now been told the story of Jesus Christ. And so as a result of that, he sees the water and he wants to get baptized. We talked about this last week. Man, that's the appropriate response. When you encounter the good news of Jesus Christ, You want to get baptized because this is a part of your process of you saying, hey, I want to be buried with Christ to raise into a new life and become a follower of Jesus. The eunuch from Ethiopia jumps on this. But now notice in his question there, and we don't want to miss this. He says, hey, what would stop me? Because remember, he's got Jewish influence. We got to go back to him. He's a eunuch. He's kind of outside of the norm. He's been castrated, looked down upon heavily by the good traditional religious folk. He's also a foreigner. They didn't like foreigners. What is, what is the Ethiopian really asking here? He's saying, hey, am I included in this? I mean, I hear the story, but does this good news of Jesus, does it include me? And Philip jumps right in. Hey, how many of us, how many people in church, God help us all, And how many people in church are excluding people because of some kind of sexual thing? I mean, this guy here's got problems. He don't even have have a sexuality. But that didn't stop Philip from saying, look, man, you can be included in this. He's from a different race. How many people are so dang prejudiced that they can't even receive people because they don't like the way they look or the way they act? Or maybe they're, they're against them because they've got money or don't have money. Listen, this is crazy. And we can't get sucked into that. Look, those things don't change the message. Now, granted, nothing, whether they do or don't or ain't, none of that makes the message change. The message is God through His Son Jesus Christ, is offering forgiveness to sinners of which we all are, and we're to turn from our sin, repent of those sins, be baptized, and walk in a new way of life, regardless of where we've been, regardless of where we're going. This is the message, and no one should be excluded from the opportunity, and we need to champion the opportunity for everyone to be included in God's message of grace. Sad, sad, sad world whenever Christians are perceived, sometimes correctly, as being some of the most judgmental, harsh people in this world. That's not what Christianity is truly about. Now, it also isn't about everybody saying, well, look, just include everybody and do whatever we want. No, that's again, That ain't the, you're missing the other side of the coin. It's, it's stay true to what the Bible says. Now, he gets baptized, orders to stop, goes down into the water to be baptized. Point number three, and i got to move through these very fast. We can learn some things very important. People ask me sometimes, hey, how do I tell people about Jesus? That's a hard thing. It really is. It's sometimes hard for me. I don't know what to do, how to do it. There are, there are five things. I'm just going to go through them very quickly that you can see in this story. If you've ever wondered, how do I tell somebody about Jesus? Five steps right here. The first one, watch and listen first. You don't have to run your mouth all the time. Just watch what's going on first. Listen to what's happening. Like You don't need to go get on a box and scream at people about what they're doing and being wrong. Very seldom have I ever seen where that's positive. Okay, watch and listen first second thing be considerate notice that philip doesn't just run up there He sees him and what happens? He waits for the holy spirit to prompt him to go up there and he just says, "Hey, go up there and look walk beside him for a minute Hey, if you want to see people come to christ. Why don't you go up and walk beside him for a minute? Instead of seeing them as some check mark on some evangelistic tool, I, I can't really take too much of that myself. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, I often wonder when people come up to me with a gospel tract, which I'm not against gospel tracts. Please don't hear this wrong, okay? But somebody that I don't know, never met, never gonna see me again, coming up there and saying, "Hey, do you know if you if you die today, you're going to heaven or hell?" I, I, I'm like, I just roll out. I mean, I don't know you. I mean, why would you? Let me, Why would that be the first question anybody would ask of someone? Start with, hey, how you doing, man? What's going on? How are you? Walk beside somebody. Live a little bit of life with them. Don't just just see it that you're there. I mean, you know, unless you get a direct word from God. Be considerate. You know, I see these stories of people just go up to somebody when they're sitting at a table eating. Look, if you're sitting at a table eating with your family, it's not considerate to just go up there and thrust yourself into some conversation with them. You know, be considerate of people. Third, ask questions. Look what Philip said. Hey, do you understand what you're reading? When you start engaging people to tell them the good news of Jesus, do you ask questions or do you give answers? There's a big difference. See, if you ask people questions, what's happening? You're telling them I value what you think. I value your part in the process. But if you just go up there and preach to them or tell them something, they're usually not going to be responsive. Number 4 use God's word. What does Philip do? It says from the same scriptures he tells them the scriptures. Hey, you know how you can get avoid a or getting into the trap of, well, this is what I think. Everybody thinks something. I mean, I have thoughts that don't agree with your thoughts. You have beliefs that don't agree with my beliefs or whatever. But guess what? Let's just go back to what does the Bible say. And then you can really help people understand. Well, I mean, this is what the Bible says. And then they don't, aren't necessarily disagreeing with you. They have to disagree with the word of God. And look, they're free to do that. They're free to totally reject the word of God. They're not rejecting you. But if you just tell them your opinion, guess what? They can reject your opinion as just another opinion. But if you say, hey, look, man, let me tell you what the Bible says about that. You know, I know you're going through this difficult time right here and you really don't know where to turn. Have you ever thought about turning to God? The scriptures say that if you'll call upon his name, he'll be there and he'll help you. See, now now it's not just your opinion. You're you're given the opinion of many, many people throughout history who have embraced what God said through his word. And finally, hey, just help them when they're ready. Don't, don't, when they're ready, to make a decision for Christ, just help them do it. When they say, hey, what do I do? That's when you tell them, look, have you considered getting baptized? Have you thought about praying to God and asking him to forgive you, to help you? When they're ready, help them. You know just as well as I do that whenever somebody is trying to do something, even if it's good for you, before you're ready, you reject it. You don't want to hear it. Matter of fact, until you're ready, you're going to even fight against it, even if you know it's right. This is unfortunate reality of being a human being. So be smarter, be wiser, be like Philip. Just engage in the process, and then when they're ready, help them find the right path to Jesus Christ. That's what Philip did, and notice what happens. When they come up out of the water, he baptizes the eunuch. He comes up out of the water, and little did you know, you didn't know that teleporting was in the Bible, did you? You didn't know that beam me up, Scotty, was in the Bible. What happens, does it say? The spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. So now, I mean, this is a flat-out miracle. The Ethiopian eunuch goes down in the water, mission accomplished, and in this particular situation, Philip disappears and moves on to the next project. The eunuch never sees him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Point number four. Just keep moving forward to what God has next. The eunuch from Ethiopia, he comes up out of the water and what? He rejoices because man, God sent somebody miraculously to him to explain what he was looking for. He was on a search for God, but he didn't know how to find him. He finds God, he gets baptized, and he goes on his way rejoicing. And when somebody goes on their way rejoicing, what do they do? And they tell other people about it. So now you begin to see what God was doing with Philip. Is Philip may not have had an, even a possibility to get a voice in the Ethiopian court. He would have never, as a Jewish person, had an opportunity to go down there and tell people about Jesus and his story in Ethiopia. So what does God do? He tells him, hey, go south. It don't make sense. Nobody else is going to understand why, but I want you to go anyway. You go down south and go down south. And boom, when he gets there, what happens? He whispers in his ear in that still, small voice. He says, hey, go walk up next to that chariot. And when he walks up next to the chariot, he don't know what's going to happen. The guy's reading the Bible. Hello? All right. So he's like just kind of walking along until he hears a part. And he says, hey, at the right time, hey, do you understand what I'm saying? Or do you understand what that's saying? He jumps in there. Miracle happened. Guy gets baptized. And boom, he's on his way. And what? Philip's on his way moving forward to what God has next. Let me ask you this. Are you moving forward to what God has next for you? Now, it may not be as dramatic as teleporting. I, I've never experienced anything like that, all right? just had right? I've seen it on sci-fi, but I don't know. I can't say it's that. But I have been on my way rejoicing like the Ethiopian telling other people and excited about what God's doing. But I know this. There's also been a lot of times where I really wasn't moving forward to what god had next i kind of got i got stuck for a minute stuck where i've been i was thinking leave instead of go i was thinking stay instead of go i don't know what i was thinking i've been in all them places maybe you have too today what i want you to do is i want you to ask god what does he want you to do to go forward what does he have next for you Maybe it's something up here at the church that you won't need to volunteer for to help. It may not be that. It might be somebody you need to call. I Man, it might need to be something that you need to do in your professional life. It might need to be something that you need to do to, to read. To I don't know what all those things are, but I guarantee you this: if you pray a sincere prayer to God and say, "God, would you show me what you want me to do next?" Man, I know for a shadow beyond a shadow of a doubt, for a fact, He'll show you what that is. The question is, will you ask him? Many of you already know what it is. Are you willing to do like Philip and just get started? At first, I need, are you just stuck? As a good friend of mine, you say, you stuck like Chuck? Not that Chuck's stuck. Look, are you ready to get started? and get going. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for all that you do for us. Very grateful that you have a plan for us to follow through. I pray that each of us would embrace your plan. I pray, God, that as we consider how you would have us to share the good news with others that we would embrace that plan in our life that you would help us to move forward if there's anyone here today whose forward step is to place their faith and trust in you and get baptized I pray God that they would have the courage and strength to make that decision Lord as we consider your sacrifice on Calvary's cross we pray Lord that it would be the motivator to help us in this endeavor. We ask in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.